0: Greetings, gentle listener. I'm sure you know my beautiful voice, but if you somehow don't, allow me to introduce myself. I am J. Jonah Jameson, two-time Pulitzer-winning former publisher for The Daily Bugle. I come to you today with a simple mission. The people of the city put their faith in a criminal. Spider-Man continues to fool each and every one of you with his good guy act, and I cannot allow it to continue. That is why today, I bring you this show, a special J. Jonah Jameson production. Together, we will examine every facet of the so called superhero to see what makes him tick, and to show everyone, once and for all, that he is a menace! And no, the name Into the Spider Cast is not an endorsement of that wall crawling arachnid or his reckless behavior. It's just good marketing. Let's roll it!
1: Everybody, welcome back into the SpiderCast for this new, brand new, brand spanking new season of the show. Wow, how exciting for all of you to be here suffering at, at my behest. Thank you for tuning in. I, a lot of exciting stuff happening now in, in the world of, of this show. And that's, you know, that's that's my thing. Thank you. I nailed it. <laughs> uh, firstly, big and important news for our humble little show. I am no longer here alone to uh, transfix you with my ramblings. I am uh, proud to introduce my new permanent co-host from my show, Ignacio. He's been on the show before, of course. I wouldn't invite some loser with no appearances to host my show, obviously. Uh, but Ignacio, say hello. Say hello. My best friend.
2: Hey, what's up guys. I'm on two of the worst episodes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> me. That's not true. Well, wait, What? you were on the no way home one. That one was good. What was the other one you were on? That's so bad. Uh,
2: the amazing Spider-Man one.
1: That's fair. Okay. That's fair.
2: That one like, was rough. I, I haven't listen, done this in a while.
1: So. At least it's better than when I had to do it by myself. I, that's it's okay. You you're not on the worst one. So that's that's all that counts. You know that, that that's what matters. I think um, you should
2: give yourself more credit.
1: I well I I am at least impressed I managed to talk as long as I did, which was good. I was running out of juice after like 20 minutes. I was like this isn't this isn't good enough. I could have just <laughs> taken the L and not put out an episode that week, but I wanted like I was keeping it listen. I'm a professional. I you know, I I am at least as at, at I am at least as good at this as Joe Rogan is, and yet I don't have my hundred million dollars and my free license to say slurs and you know otherwise cause problems. So I have to stand up for myself in in some capacity and you know showcase my merits. Uh, but all 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 that aside, you know can't can't go on without talking a little a little outdated podcasting drama. Am I right in the world of podcasting in which I belong? Uh, I'd like to introduce also whoa surprise i have two people to introduce whoa (laughs) sorry i'm overdoing the okay uh just a little bit no just the right amount i think see this is this it's all part of the part of part of the the experience right what 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 is a podcast where the host does not ramble endlessly with pointless waffle about nothing, you know, just searching for something to continue the sentence without an um break in the middle, you know, that, that's what it's all about. That, that's the art form. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes, I have another person to introduce our, our guest for this. Wow. This special premiere episode is so special. His name is Steve Fox. Wow. Wow, this show's so clouded now, isn't that cool, guys? Steve, please in- introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us about yourself. No pressure.
3: Wow, wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I think that's one of my my favorite intros I've had. Uh, <clears throat> favorite runways I've been given. Uh, yeah, my name is Steve Fox. I am a writer and editor of comic books and children's books. Uh, at the intersection of both of those, I, I have written two Spider-Ham, not Spider-Man, uh, graphic novels for Scholastic and Marvel Comics. Uh, I'm writing an X-Men 92 series for Marvel Comics, which is about to come out. And although I, I haven't actually gotten the like official thumbs up to talk about it I'm, I'm doing a series of spider-man children's comics for disney europe i don't know when or if this will be published in america <laughs> but they're a lot of fun to do uh and yeah and then i i have like such a bizarre scattering of other work um <clears throat> i edit a series called department of truth at image comics uh i co-created a horror anthology called razor blades uh, so I do a lot of horror work, and then I do a lot of licensed children's work for stuff like Mario and Pokemon and My Little Pony and Baby Shark. So, uh, and and I published an erotica graphic novel. So really, from like the moment you can read until you can rent a car, <laughs> I've got something <laughs> for every. You've got
1: such age a huge range. swath of of content. That's crazy. Yeah,
3: ev- every single uh, discrete age range, I can offer you some sort of product.
1: Is that like, is that deliberate? Did you set out to make something for like every possible age group? Is that like a goal of yours?
3: Nope. It was more like uh, I no longer had a full-time job and I wasn't saying no. <laughs> fair
2: enough. That's, that's totally also, fair. Very. Lucky. Gotta respect it. Gotta respect it.
3: Yeah. Very lucky to do what I do. And I, I don't know. I just never picked the lane. Um, so instead, I just chose not to sleep or have hobbies or take care of myself physically.
1: That's, that's very fair. I don't take care of myself physically either, but I have nothing to show for it. So, you know, you're at least, you're at least t- towing the line, right? <laughs> um, I, so to clear, cause you should, you uh, sent me your Spider-Ham books. The the Spider Man ones you sent me those are are those the the super secret not sure if you can talk about them ones
3: yeah they're like ambiguously secret because I asked my very lovely Italian editor and he responded to everything else in the email but not that so there you go you get the exclusive uh, scoop mm,
1: wow <laughs> look at that we got <laughs> a scoop dude we are <laughs> big leagues now <laughs> nobody nobody else gets scoops we've got we've, that rocks that's awesome i but yes now so i, I want to ask this before i forget the question because it's been racking me since we started talking about you coming on there are spider-man comics for europe does that mean they're like just for the european market or are they somehow like is he in Europe? Is that what's happening? Like,
3: <laughs> no, he is decidedly in New York. I, I lived in New York for 13 years, so I was picking, you know, real locations to put him in. Uh, what it means is they're going to be published in Europe. Um, I don't. Some some people know this tidbit, but Disney's comic publishing uh, has been extremely strong in Europe for decades. Like Donald Duck in some countries in Europe outsells like Batman here. Um, they just they really found a niche and stuck with it. So they have European specific publishing initiatives, um, but they hire writers in, they have to be written in English and then translated. So they hire bilingual Italian writers and they hire some American writers. So I'm working on a a very small, but really cool team to do 10 page shorts. Uh, I've done, I think I've done eight now. Um, and I'm scheduled for 10 total. Plus, I helped um, work with the Italian writers a little bit on some of theirs. So yeah, it's really neat. It was it was kind of this thing that came out of the blue, and now I'm gonna have like a hundred pages of Spider-Man stories under my belt.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I... And
3: it's like a um it's so it's technically it's like own continuity, but it's mm-hmm. it is young Peter Parker. Um yeah. but all the toys are on the table. So You know, we have guest stars like Shang-Chi or Cersei from the Eternals or whatever. Um, But it's like a young, very kind of iconic high school Peter Parker. So it's really fun. That and X-Men just, it it feels like, I I don't want to like diminish or sound too fanboyish, but like of Mm -hmm. all the things I write, it just feels like when I sit down to do it, it, you know, I've spent three decades figuring out how to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. They're very—they're so fun to write. It's like hanging out with old friends. So lucky to get to do those.
1: Yeah, of course. No, I, I, I get that. I a lot of a lot of my writing because uh, I not not to not to sound like I'm a writer or anything, but I, I like I like to write more so as a hobby, I guess, and for like D and D in general. I tr- I try to. That doesn't really count because you never use anything that you really write because that's the nature of the game, but. That still counts though. Most of what I like to write is more so like working in existing fiction, fan fiction, if you will, not to, (laughs) not to lower myself to that level, but that is, that's what I, I feel, or like I've come to realize more recently in my life that I'm like, you know what, I'm kind of, what I'm good at is kind of writing with like existing material and working on it that way. I'm going to, I'm going to stop acting like I'm any good at it. At writing like new stuff, and I'm just gonna take take the W while I can and note that I can I'm decently okay at writing existing stuff. Now I I was gonna segue that into an example that was Spider-Man related, but I lost all of it, so I'm just gonna tell that story instead. I've been suspended <laughs> on Twitter like five times for totally bogus reasons. I'll have you know, and one of them I had like a trove, dude, like like hundreds of posts of genius spider-man ideas like i can't even communicate my my it's so good it with so many cool villains so many ignacio helped with a bunch of them at some point i remember you were someone i spoke to about it with and just several people were like helping me workshop ideas i'm so proud of it but they're all gone to the wind oh. now. so you know as as it is i never thought i'd need to back it up because i'm such a Such a good angel of a person online that I didn't think I would get suspended for any reason. Who who could have thought that would happen? But segue over. I didn't have a segue back, so I'm just gonna hard jump (laughs) to the question I was actually gonna ask before I went off on that. I so like I want to go over a little bit, uh, or like two kind of sections, right, about what you do. I want to talk about the books themselves like sort of like the content of them and then mm-hmm. i want to talk to you about like your your process with this whole thing like right like how you how you actually go about doing this and this can apply for any of the books uh that that you work on or have worked on obviously um but i'm i'll stick to spiderman ones because that's my whole thing but <laughs> i i do not mind you using uh your experiences on the other ones obviously to go over it as well and ignacio you can always ask him stuff also because listen the reason I asked him to come on to do this with me is because he actually reads comic books I yeah, don't actually. read very much I don't read like at <laughs> all I'm not a good reader so I don't I don't read very many of them so he's like the comic guy on this show about a comic book character I thought that was it, important it takes all know. types yeah yeah so yeah I'm like the support class you know I'm yeah <laughs> for everything else it's- yeah there you go Yeah. Everything else like there's like there's so much going on, dude. I hit record and then I just, I, I sit sometimes I'm so lazy editing that all I'll do is I'll look for audio spikes where I know like that was a cough or like a baby cry. And I just see like that. And then the problem is when that happens, now I have to actually listen to the audio and find that to cut it out. Which or you can cough right now. Oh, and yeah, and right, right. Just
3: find the cough.
1: Boom. There's a spike, <laughs> and I, I know that there's an audio spike. Oh, the boy's sleeping. Whoops. There is an audio spike there <laughs> now. So I know that that's a that's a point. But yeah, like usually, like when I'm really lazy, I'll just kind of dig and find like noises that are like obvious noises. I'll just delete it. I don't listen to it, which is bad because then I leave in a bunch of like dead air and like uh and like coughs and and ums and stuff that i could if i wasn't so lazy i could have just could have just chopped it out but you know it's the nature of the beast when you don't do this for a living you do it more so as a hobby <laughs> you just kind of find the space for it you know but it, i'm gonna hunker you down with this one this one it's the be- growing pains yeah That's what exactly it is. yes exactly uh, which again I'm hoping I'm hoping we're we're coming into it. I got like nine under my belt now. So like you know, I kind of have a sense for what gets my workflow in a in a good in a good speed. And Jesus. Anyways, I <laughs> I wanted to start with um with the Spider Ham one because that that uh, genuinely I thought that was hilarious. Like the whole thing. Thank you. All the way through was very funny. I, I audibly laughed out loud to myself reading them several times. Like the uh, now I can't remember specific quotes. I know a lot of the a lot of the laughs were the characters. I thought it was very the the different pun names were very funny. Now, I know I know a lot of them exist already. Yes. Did you yeah. come up with any new ones?
3: We came up with a couple. So um, <clears throat> I did both Spider Ham books with an artist named Shadia Amin who mm-hmm. is. So uh, amazing, such a great collaborator. And um, I was not aware of her work before I wrote the first Spider-Ham and then our editor, Michael, um, found her for the book. And Shadi and I have gone on to work on two Spider-Hams, a short for a series I do called Adventure Kingdom. And um, I wrote a Dumb and Dumber middle grade novel that comes out this year and Shadi did the illustration. So in a really short period of time, we got to collaborate on like truly hundreds of pages of work together so yeah sometimes i do get credit for the pun names the vast majority have existed since before i was born Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, because they're from the original spider ham series but we did get to do some fun ones so in another uh into the spider cast exclusive in book two like we have monica ramboa uh instead of monica (laughs) rambo that was good that That, was all that was great thank you uh mr (laughs) mr negatiger instead of mr negative Uh, mr negative is one of my favorite like recent spider-man villains so i was stoked to get to include him um captain meowville in the first book uh, oh that's yours oh that's great that was awesome carol had never appeared when we put in the scavengers we realized it was very male centric so Mm -hmm. i really and, and you know carol's had such a big boost over the last decade so we got permission to to Create a cat version of her, and I, there a couple, a couple others snuck by in the second book without really needing to get approval for them. Captain Miao, I know we like ran up the entire chain to make sure it was was all good with everyone. But <laughs> in the second one, we're just kind of like throwing them in there, and they're like, "Yeah, great, cool,
1: <laughs> awesome." Yeah, you you got the you got the the cred with the first one. They trusted you to yes. come up with good good pun names.
3: Yeah, and it really is like. The, I think I've used every variation of like a pig related joke you know Mm -hmm. I I hope we get to do a third book but truly every like porcine ham pig hog like I've covered it man there's no other like there's no other way to say pig than what we've done in in (laughs) 120 pages of spider ham now
1: yeah I know I noticed that was a that was a, a a run through on it several of them got knocked out instantly when you had two pigs next to each other him and him and king pig were together King pig
3: yeah. yeah and what's what's even worse is the series I do adventure kingdom which I was doing um before spider ham the one of the villains is named hogswallop and he's a big tattooed anthropomorphic pig so i already ran through a lot of pig puns and then i got to go back and say wait was this an adventure kingdom pig pun or was this a spider man pig pun and (laughs) how many times can i cross over i know who knew that that was the kind of things you needed to index as a writer
1: yeah (laughs) i um now i do i want to interrogate you on two of them i don't know if i'm gonna remember i'm an open book. i don't so i don't know if go i'm ahead. gonna remember a specific i know one of them that bugs me i i don't i don't know if, if it pops in my head i'll mention the other one i want to know if you did this because if you did i would like to tell you you're bad uh there is <laughs> wow uh, black panther is black panda yes i did not do that thank goodness <laughs> that why is he not <laughs> just a panther oh black cat is Black Black Catfish.
3: Catfish. That's not me either, but I find that one very funny. Okay, good. You're uh, in the clear. It just bugs me that that they're
1: not... I'm not saying they're like... Okay, I'm not saying (laughs) they're bad punnings on their own. I'm saying like, it it bugs me that they're not just the animal they already are, you know? Yeah.
3: The one that cracks me up the most is the vulture in this universe is known as the buzzard, and he's a possum. (laughs) Like, why? Is buzzard
1: possum related somehow? Nope.
3: Mm-mm, no <laughs> that's just they, they needed a, an animal that looked like an old man and uh they decided he was a possum and instead of calling him vulture again they named him buzzard
1: fair i guess my <laughs> my favorites are, are all the goblins are just all gobblers now they're all yes. turkeys which is my absolute favorite it's such a ridiculous name the green gobbler and the hob gobbler. it's so it's very cute i love those yeah, maybe I'll get of, to do like the,
3: the gobbler queen or whatever. Gobbler. Yeah. That whole thing. I'd love to see that. Yeah.
1: I um do you know do you know what what Venom is?
3: Oh, so Venom is named Pork Rind.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, <Sure>. he,
3: <laughs> he is kind of its whole, there's a whole thing there. And um I did not, or no, pork grind. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: And um, yeah, I, you know, we never proposed using pork grind, you know, maybe if we get to do another book, I think the, the real behind the scenes answer is that once some properties become more associated with more adult franchises, Mm -hmm. like Venom, um, Right. There's not necessarily as much desire to cross those over but you know there was no directive like you can't use pork grind uh he just didn't come up in in the
1: stories we pitched them. yeah i mean i went like i i had a train of thought which is why i brought him up and i lost it so don't even worry about it like i oh no no, no i know i remember because i was thinking like i was thinking of the through line to goblin queen because goblin queen is red and i thought of red red goblin also I oh, know yeah. oh, that was Carnage and and Green Goblin at some point. I don't know why i I don't know where I'm going, dude. Yeah, I'm I just feel like,
3: like I, I would get a little through. resistance if I pitched yeah. Carnage at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah,
1: maybe, maybe kiddifying Carnage isn't the yeah. isn't the easiest. No, I say battle of the Moon. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take the most grotesque and horrific Spider-Man <laughs> stories and make them. In, take the death of Gwen Stacy and make it into a Spider-Ham oh. story. Oh take, no! Take what are what are really rough ones. What, uh, take one more day and or make Kram's it. Last, no, oh yeah,
3: one th- more day. There's
1: your goal. Take the worst Spider-Man stories <laughs> and Spider-Ham them and just parody them, and then everyone will love them again. One more day and what what here comic comic boy? What are some really bad ones?
2: Uh, uh hold up. They're really bad. Good.
1: one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You, on contractual um... obligation I agree with
3: you. <laughs> you definitely need to look up the like the wiki entry on on Port Grind though because I think the the thing some people who don't know as much spider ham might not know is there are some characters where their origins are massively different in the animal universe and massively strange. And uh pork grind is one of them. It is. It is not a uh, a one to one venom stand in. I'll tell you that much.
1: He he's Austrian. He is first Austrian. of all. I'm oh, gonna say I'm
3: gonna say that was an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing at the time. The the timing would kind of line up for that to be a reference.
1: Damn. Pork grind was recruited by the extra dimensional. Oh no, that's that's not his origin. My bad. I jumped around <laughs> too far. Whereas I'm looking for. that's so odd what i i love that that he's specifically like he is described just as an austrian villain that's that's his main feature (laughs) is that he's austrian which is which is good he studied at the TNU where he learned how to fight toon style that's that's his thing (laughs) that's great
3: I don't even think he's symbiote related. I, I think he just I has don't a think black so. outfit. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think he's just a bigger pig with a black outfit. I think. <laughs> I, like it literally, it doesn't <laughs> believing, believing that pork grind could be seen as an evil version of spy. Oh, no. okay, This is related with negative negative four Bushman. Who is that? Yeah, I'm just on a trail now. This is a guy. Okay. Negative four Bushman. <laughs> he's a guy with an upside down F on his chest and like a bucket on his head and a rolling pin for a weapon. Hey, this is yeah, so I don't, weird. I don't
3: think I would get to him no matter how many spider hand volumes I got to write. Who
1: is that? <laughs> who had, had a he was recruited by negative four bushman who got infinite in godlike abilities due to the infinity wart? Is that animal universe related? The yes, infinity wart? <laughs> what is that? Listen, I'm, way, I'm clicking links. Lies. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. sent me to it's the wiki irrelevant. and now I'm just clicking links, dude. <laughs> Infinity wart. What is the. Inf- it's just a wart. It's literally a wart. That, that's it a is. whole other podcast.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, like, I feel like that's related to, like, uh, oh, not Infinity Quest, but something along those lines.
1: It literally, the only appearance of the Infinity wart is a wart on negative four Bushman's finger. so apparently it's just tied to him and it gave him godlike abilities and then he went to pork grind who after because he was secretly monitoring spider ham and so he recruited pork grind who he was who he saw as an evil version of spider ham just to fight spider Ham. he agreed and traveled to the u.s for the fight I forgot that he's Austrian. <laughs> Just chilling weird, in Austria. It's such a weirdly specific thing to, to single out about him. When Port reached the states, Spider-Ham was team-upping with Milk and Cookies, two displaced superheroes from a different universe. And they were idly chatting about how Milk and Cookies had fought evil versions of themselves when Spider-Ham had never done so. And then Port showed up and they fought. So... That's his thing. He's just, he's just a bigger p- pig. That's he's great. He's just a hater, man. That's great. That's and he's Austrian. Got to make sure you you know that he's Austrian. <laughs> I feel like that that means he definitely has like phonetic text uh, in oh, his dialogue. I'm sure. Yeah, and it's probably definitely heavy with Arnold references. That that <laughs> that would probably be a given. Um, oh yeah, here's a
3: und we never never hit below the belt. That's a no no. <laughs>
1: Oh, that sounds that sounds problematic. That sounds. Uh, I'm quoting directly. Uh, <laughs> that's. I I think
3: Austrian is a safe one for me to mock. <laughs> F- yeah, phonetic think, think Phonetic
1: okay. 80s comic book Austrian. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're in the clear. At least. He's not. He's not like. I don't know. He's not like Namibian or something that would be an issue. I think you know. So some, if he, it's a good thing. Pork grind is not an ethnic minority. It's, it's all I'm saying. We don't know what he is. He's just an evil spider. I'm gonna, Austrian I'm gonna and angry. That's, I'm,
3: that's gonna the, I'm gonna cut
1: the, I'm gonna cut the line before I lose myself. Um, I um, so like I was curious, right? Because like when you explain, you made, you came up with some of them yourselves, and. You said how uh, Carol's Carol Danvers was like a big chain of, of asking for permission to get her in the book. How like when you're writing these, do you like do you like sit down and like write them all the way through and then like go through and ask for permission for everything? Do you kind of do it as you go?
3: Oh no, I mean I think we were overly cautious, um, Shadia and I, when we decided we wanted to do. Uh, Captain Marvel, and you know she only has a brief cameo mm-hmm. but because yes. she hadn't appeared and Shadi and I were doing our first both of our first Marvel projects um, you know we reached out to our editor and said hey we'd like to do this can we try to confirm with Marvel if that's okay and um, those books are published by Scholastic but Marvel reviews all of it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they have a team of of editors who work on licensed projects who read all of those and, and give great notes and and you know keep an eye on things so I think we were overly cautious and then when we got into book two we just started swinging a little wider with some of the cameos and um with that first scene with Mr. Negatiger um and you know there was no issue with any of it they were very happy to to expand the animal universe and have some fun with it so there's no sort of process where it's like I write a page I'm like is this okay yeah (laughs) yeah. it's it's, no it's it's been much more organic than that and I've worked with a ton of licenses and you know some some are stricter than others like uh, Transformers for instance I did about a dozen Transformers kids books um, when I first started publishing and I'll you know I'll probably never work with the license again so I don't mind saying like they were quite strict like i think in one point optimus prime was supposed to sit down and they're like yeah no he doesn't sit <laughs> it's like okay optimus whatever
1: prime I'll... does not take a
3: seat yeah i was like okay so optimus <laughs> stands awkwardly for this whole scene i guess
4: <laughs>
3: uh, and you know in, in those cases the 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 managers and the editors are not being the bad guy they just they're in charge of the license and in charge of making sure things stay consistent and within guidelines so I get it that's that's part and parcel of working on licenses and and with IP I've done a lot of Nintendo work and um, they've always been fantastic and it's really cool to get to do those books but they have very strict guidelines yeah
1: I'd imagine when I hear Nintendo that that's one I definitely would imagine is very (laughs) very hard line with with their IPs they Very, are but the
3: really nice thing is they put it all up front so right. I, when i get an assignment for a nintendo book i know exactly what i can and can't do the transformers thing was more of a like learning process as i went cuz i was like these these robots can't sit down <laughs> like i got a, a 60,000 word book it can't they can't sit down uh, so that that was more of a learning process and i also didn't know transformers as well um but like in nintendo you know i've done Four or five Mario books, and even for the quote storybooks, you cannot give Mario dialogue. Like you cannot give Mario a line. Uh, You cannot create a Mario story. Like you can describe kind of like the the way they exist, but you can't say like Mario goes down the street. It's like Mario exists in the Mushroom Kingdom. But you're not going to get like narrative content across the line there, so so like they all what, have different rules.
1: What is it that you're actually writing if you're not <laughs> writing a narrative? I'm very curious.
3: You're just kind of describing like who Mario is and what he does, and who Yoshi is and what he does. But you're not going to say like, oh, one day Mario and Yoshi went down to the castle. It's
1: like yeah, and like what? S- can you like describe what this is like for? Like if you're you're working on a Nintendo. It, what is it? Is it a book? Is it? So
3: like- I've done activity books where you're just coming up with really oh, short okay. descriptive texts because there's like a maze or a puzzle. But I've also done like little golden books. And those are more like, they're kind of like short encyclopedias, really. It's like, meet Mario. He's the hero of the Mushroom Kingdom, blah, blah, blah. So you're kind of describing them in a timeless sense. Um, but they, for instance, are very strict that you're not like creating a story or dialogue. And then right. on the other side of things, you have Spider-Ham and X-Men and stuff where Marvel's been extremely um, uh, <clears throat> open to, to whatever I pitch and, and whatever I write. And there have been very few instances where it's like, hey, oh, I don't know about this or I don't know about that. It's, it's been
1: super minor and, and they're very flexible. Is, are they So X-Men 92, is, that like, is it like a direct tie-in to the show?
3: It's not. So there, we, we do have to make the distinction that technically the X-Men 92 comics are their own distinct continuity, very okay. heavily influenced by the cartoon. Okay. So the idea is like, if you're a fan of the cartoon and you read these, you're seeing the version, you know, and you recognize, right. Which is made possible because the 92 cartoon so closely adapted the comics of the era,
0: right.
3: you know, they're all in the same outfits they were wearing when Jim Lee was drawing the book. Uh, they adapted so many storylines, pretty much one to one from the comics. Um, but we are not a direct tie-in. I, I don't work with the cartoon people at all, which is fun for me because I get to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> right? And yeah, that's why I was no... asking because I was curious
1: yeah. if they would if they would have been strict about following continuity with the old show no. and stuff. But I imagine since you're not really technically that show it just it's a separate thing you have a lot more a lot more freedom with it which was yeah
3: and really the approach we took um my editors and i was we we weren't going to do anything to directly contradict it because that kind of ruins the illusion and 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 poke some holes in the fun but it's also not technically the continuity of the cartoon you know that version of morph only appears in the cartoon so we're not going to have the you know age of apocalypse version of morph or the changeling version of morph and make it clear like oh this is different just kind of there's enough things to leave unspoken um but the the way i described it in one of the interviews was it this version of the x-men is basically like the one on your t-shirt the one on your lunchbox like that this is not a specific moment in time this is like the the golden nostalgic feeling of 90s x-men right and people who like the x-men know what that is so yeah it's a lot of fun to play with uh, and it means i get to be totally surprised when the 97 cartoon does come out
1: yeah yeah and like so and so with that in mind then if you're if you're like doing it all or you know if you're working on it on your own and you're you're just going with ideas like you know as, as you would normally without restrictions from the show do you do you take anything from the show when you write this stuff do you like do you take inspiration from it do you look do you watch it do you go and like look at certain storylines and like maybe not necessarily in the sense that like you're you're using those, but in the, in the opposite sense, you could be avoiding doing anything. The show's already done or something like that, you know?
3: Yes. So the two biggest, also, do we lose your co-host? I don't
1: know. That's what I'm, I'm going (laughs) to, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to check on him. I'm going to see, I'll I'll check on him. I'll make sure. Go ahead. Again, that's, that's what the edits for. If anything, I'll just, we'll, we'll cut a (laughs) sentence and then you'll pick up at the same word and I'll just push it together. Oh, there you are. Hello. You okay. Here, here, here he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> Welcome. Connecting, back. connecting. There you go. Hello. Welcome back.
2: <laughs> hey. Sorry. My Wi-Fi dropped. <laughs> well, <I
1: wasn't> <laughs> no, you're good. You're okay. I was just about to make sure you were good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I was go, ahead. Gross, go ahead. Dude. <laughs> so the
3: the question was um, taking inspiration from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the major ways that I take inspiration from the animated series and also. I mean, I, I was born in the late 80s. So the animated series had a huge impact on me as a kid. <clears throat> so the biggest inspiration for me is the character voices. Mm-hmm. When, you know, when I hear Storm and Wolverine and Rogue and Gambit, I, I will always hear those actors to some extent. Even in storylines, they have like much different tones than the animated series ever had. So I am really trying to channel those voices in my head um and the the comic writing of the time was very heightened as well but the mm-hmm. cartoons often took it to like a whole other level right. <laughs> because you know it's, you got 21 minutes to really sell these characters to kids <laughs> so um I'm definitely channeling that the other big thing and I was talking to a friend about this earlier sometimes as a writer you have to be careful that you're not focusing so much on things that only you are going to know and that the reader is not going to pick up or not care about, but I made it an early goal to pretty much use any, every character that had ever appeared on the cartoon to have them show up in some capacity in these five issues, in the background, in, in cameos, uh, in some fun roles, because sometimes the cartoon picked characters who were very obscure in the comics mm-hmm and would randomly have them show up 10 times in the background. There's there's an inhuman named Tusk who was a member of the Dark Riders in the comics. He shows up like three times ever, but he's in the cartoon in the background like 10 times and he got an action figure. So I, I knew I needed to like just plop him in a scene because yeah. that, that's such a bizarre cartoon specific thing. Uh, or the Nasty Boys. So Mr. Sinister's henchmen, the Nasty Boys show up over and over again in the cartoon they're really mostly in like one arc of the comics uh, x factor from like 1991 and they were not nearly that big of a deal but if you were to just watch the cartoon you would think that they were like on par with the brotherhood of evil mutants so maybe it's a little inside baseball maybe it's a little bit for me but I'm hoping that there's also an element of it. Like if you're like a diehard fan of the cartoons, you're going to be like, oh yeah, it's the Nasty Boys. They were always showing up like blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of the main inspiration I took. There are also a couple deeper pulls. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but so the premise of the X-Men 92 series that I wrote is adapting the entire Krakoa era into five issues as if it was an arc of the animated series, like as if it took place 30 years ago. And a big part of the Krakoa comic books was a crossover called Ten of Swords, which involves a place called Otherworld and a figure named Saturnine. And Saturnine and Otherworld never showed up on the cartoon and was not particularly prominent in the early 90s. So I plucked an entirely different scenario from the cartoon and from the comics of the time to stand in there. So it's, I can't like get more specific without giving it all away, but that's kind of the inspiration I tried to take. Like, if you're a big fan of the cartoon, if you're a big fan of the comics from right around that era, I've changed enough things and I've thrown in enough Easter eggs that hopefully you get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah, I, I feel it'll be like a Where's Waldo of looking for a lot of these. I feel like, yeah. I feel like that'll be like a fun challenge to. to I'm not gonna ask you if you've done it because now I'm, I feel like I'm gonna want to test <laughs> your metal and go through and see if you missed and go through all five issues once they're out. And see if you missed anyone who'd appeared in in the show. See if you see if you succeeded again. I won't ask if you have yet or not. We'll we'll leave that we'll leave that for when when they're out. It'll be I think it'll be fun to like. I will
3: say that. I got over eighty five percent.
1: That's that's not bad. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good total. Yeah, it's I a think.
3: five season show with lots of background characters. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's really it's also a testament to Salva Espin, the artist who's drawing it salva is so good and he's so up for anything so it's been a lot of fun to give him these crowd scenes and these fun cameos and just see him interpret like every possible mutant in their like iconic 90s
2: outfits
1: yeah it's fun um i i guess i should should, i'm also curious are there any i i'd imagine there's a lot of them in the five seasons (laughs) so you probably already have you're, you're, you're basket full of them Are there any you've considered or wanted to put in That were not in the show at all And maybe like a mat, uh, Maybe see how they turn out In that, in that style in those outfits
3: So uh, I set a rule for myself That I would not use anyone Who appeared after 1992 Or Never showed up on the TV show So for instance like There's a character named Random Who's very 90s and he technically debuted in 1993, but because the show ran for five years, he showed up on the TV show. So I was like, okay, he's fair game. But you know, I didn't use anyone from Generation X. I didn't use anyone from the late 90s. I didn't use anyone after 2000s whatsoever because the thing about Krakoa in the comics right now, anyone can come back to life and they wear costumes all throughout their history. So for this to visually instantly look different It really had to be, like, frozen in 1992. Mm -hmm. Um, But a really fun thing for me was pulling in a couple of the New Mutants because the New Mutants very rarely appeared on the TV show. Um, Cannonball shows up, Warlock shows up, and um, Richter shows up, like, in the background a couple times, and Boom Boom. But the other original New Mutants never show up um and in the late 80s and early 90s they had really distinct and and now we would consider them pretty dated costumes yeah Uh, so I had to bring in a few of them (laughs) and like show them in these outfits because the chance of them wearing those outfits in 2022 is like slim to none um but there's they're so of the time um and some of them you know like I have their action figures from those suits so you may see Sunspot or Moonstar or a couple other characters like that popping up, even though they were never on the cartoon.
1: That's cool. I okay, and I have one more question tied into something you said through through that. Do you have a when, cause you said when you when you read these characters and, and all that stuff, you have the cartoons voices, like that's that's what you hear them as, right? Who's your who's your Spider-Man voice? Because you have a lot to pick from, so I know there is there is a wrong answer and a right answer. I hope you understand that pressure.
3: <laughs> well, oh so wow, I have, to, I have to say, like, no offense to the guy, but when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I thought the X Men cartoon show was the coolest thing in the world, mm-hmm. and I did not feel the same about the Spider Man. That's
1: okay. Scenes. That's okay. I we we don't have to be friends. That's all right. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I like it. I'll depend on
2: that.
3: It, it just like it doesn't have that same cool factor. Like Peter on that show is just a little dorky, and, and I don't like that's
1: that's Peter. That's who he's, I, that's what he's I supposed
3: I to be. I hear you, but when you put it in that animated style, like I just I always picture him with like the combed over hair and like his little khaki jacket. I'm like you're just like you're nothing. <laughs> like there's nothing to you. <laughs>
1: that's funny and, for me. It's like. I feel like the opposite in both statements, right? Like I, I never liked, like, I never thought the X-Men were cool as a kid. I didn't understand their appeal until I was much older. So when the X-Men show was on, I was like, ew. And then the Spider-Man show came on and I, I loved it. But I, and then I also, I thought Peter looked way too like shredded and jock-like for what Peter should be. Peter behaved like his dorky meeky self, but he looked, like shredded because every male character on those shows kind of looked like that you know in right. that style that they were drawn the huge chiseled jaw and everything i was like bro it's so <laughs> you look so so buff it's so weird it, it doesn't like match his personality
3: well it's also i was a huge collector of all the toy biz action figures when i was a kid mm-hmm. like i actually attribute those lines with like a lot of my love for comics um because back then you know they they dug so deep into weird characters like the fact that i was six or seven and playing with like spider slayer and kill spree and like you know it's just bizarre and um it really made me love like all the obscure characters and want to know more about them but i have like such a vivid memory of the peter parker figure because he just had his, his little jacket and like blue jeans i'm like this is the most boring possible action figure that could exist like this is a kin doll but he's he's five inches tall and and has you know six points of articulation so i i wouldn't say that's the spidey in my head i I don't know if i have like one single one but you know what i think affects it for me is that we keep getting spider-man interpretations yeah yeah i i do not like the fox x-men movies and i never really Mm -hmm. have so like Mm -hmm. those didn't affect my view of things at all like I hear the '90s animated series Batman. I hear Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Spider Man. We've had actually a lot of good Peter Parkers. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris in the MTV show was pretty good. Uh, I love the the PlayStation four and five video game version. Um, so all of those kind of blend in my head.
1: I think. Yeah. The, the and yeah, no, I, I I get that. I for me, it's like I've throughout like my history with the character like from i remember he's had a very distinct voice in my head when i read comic books depending on where i am when i was a kid it was mostly um it was mostly the 90s show one because that's all i all i watched i didn't really read comics as a kid but when i did it was that's you know, that's my only reference point and then when i was like in my like preteen years it was toby mcguire because that that became my entire life to the point that I did not know Spider-Man was supposed to have web shooters until <laughs> way later. Like when the Andrew Garfield movies were coming out, I was like, why does he have, what is that? Why don't they come out of his skin? That that doesn't seem right. And then I, you know, I, I course corrected eventually, but then there was like a whole period in my life where I was too good for, for Spider-Man. I was too, I was too good for him. Like, like a coward and I didn't really consume Spider-Man media at all. And then I came back and now I'm like, I think now when I genuinely when I think about it, it's it's the PS4, PS5 voice, Yuri Lowenthal's voice is yeah. like what's, what sticks to me because like I don't know because that because that game by virtue of being like like focus like their goal was to give you like a quintessential Spider-Man experience from top to bottom, both gameplay wise and narrative wise and all that stuff, and so it kind of feels like a perfect like standard voice for Peter Parker, not in the sense that it's like uninteresting, but just that like everything about that game feels like, you know, it's made by people who've been reading Spider-Man comics since they were children and have been and made this game with a lot of love for this character. So that kind of that stuck with me a lot when I when I first played it. And that kind of makes the voice stick for me also. Um, But it's also like, At least when you look across the mediums, they're all very different from each other. Because, like, the game is like standard Spider Man stuff in his college years. And then, like, in the comics and Amazing Spider Man now, they have 800, 900 issues of continuity. (laughs) And he's not, he's just, he can't be standard Spider Man anymore. Because he literally can't. Until Marvel uh, pulls the rug and reboots their continuity, Peter will always have. A, th- a thousand issues of continuity that affect him and who he is you know and you know how much the, how much it affects him in any given issue depends on the writer and how much they pull from the continuity but it's always there and that kind of colors peter in a very specific way that makes him feel very distinct from like say the game and then yeah. you have the the <laughs> mcu portrayal by tom holland that is also very different because he's much younger and he's been younger for longer and he has a lot closer ties to a lot of the other MCU characters and it's like they all feel like they shouldn't share a voice really like I like I said I I think of Yuri Lowenthal's performance when I think of when I read the comics but it's like not exactly because it's like it just feels like a different person every Peter Parker feels like a different person essentially because they all have a lot of stuff going on that that very much distinguishes them from one another and And I feel like that's that's, a, that's an important aspect of the character, really, that he's very uh, like that. I
3: Can I also tell you my very specific uh, memory <clears throat> that stands out with Spider-Man? is yeah. um, Okay, so this could also fully be a Bernstein Bear situation. Okay. Where this is like my memory creating a composite memory. But one of the most influential pieces of media I saw when I was a kid was Pride of the X-Men, which for people who don't know, was the first animated pilot they produced to make an X-Men TV show. It was much more heavily influenced by the 80s runs and the Outback run. Um, And so, you know, Dazzler was part of the cast, Nightcrawler, whatever. Most of those people did go on to make the animated series. It shares a lot of creatives, but uh, the tone was completely different. And also, Stan Lee had a much bigger impact on *Pride of the X-Men*, um, which is why it felt kind of instantly dated for some people. At the beginning of *Pride of the X-Men*, there is a commercial that includes a Spider-Man and the voice actor, and I do not know who that is, I, and I could not find it on trying to do a quick Google search. It's also entirely possible it is just Stan Lee, mm-hmm. but it in my memory it is this kind of like composite Spider-Man voice. And I think, you know, Stan Lee had that, like, carnival barker attribute. Like, he's always selling something. But he makes it sound like the coolest, most original thing ever. But corny at the same time. Oh, yeah. I feel like in my head I can hear a younger version of that. And that's Spider-Man's voice to me. Like, that kind of stands out as, like... Because that's the thing about a lot of portrayals of Spider-Man. He knows the jokes he's telling are a little corny or a little dad jokey yeah um you know he doesn't he doesn't think he is the funniest wittiest person on the planet um and so i feel like there's a little element of that like carnival barker stan lee attribute that i hear when i hear spider-man in my head but you're also totally right like every version you know i i I love the ongoing comics but he's also that version of spider-man the 6161 uh, 616 version um has been through hell like 8000 times so yeah it's kind of hard not to hear an extra layer of like exhaustion and and um pathos and baggage uh, even in his lighter moments because he's experienced so much i mean heck at this point the tom holland version has experienced so much so yeah i feel like that's kind of like the the humor tragedy balance of spider-man um but yeah it is kind of fascinating to think about because like i said with x-men and batman those voices are definitive and are never changing but spider-man i've kind of combined various portrayals into the one i hear in my head
1: yeah it's because it's it's a core part of the character that he that he can he can be changed and molded in, in any way it's not always it's not always perfect but that's I mean that's what you get when you have 900 issues 60 <laughs> years of 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 different people writing him and and drawing him even and just yeah. all all of the it, it comes together to form a character that can be whatever to anyone and it's I think it I think it fits I don't want to I don't want to move on from this without asking ignacio it, wh- wh- who's your spider-man voice who is your spider-man voice
2: uh if you have one. i it's kind of weird like it depends on what the image looks like like because I'm currently trying to go through the Amazing Spider-Man line mm-hmm. and uh, well like looking at a lot of that dated artwork I kind of hear either the uh, I hear a lot of the older cartoon voices like mm-hmm. for, like uh, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends where it's like a deep which is really weird because like this is supposed to be a really young Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, no, but I get you. Like when you see the art from the Lee Ditko era, it feels like it should sound like an old 50s radio guy when he yeah, talks. Like <laughs> I, I I get that. Yeah. It makes but sense. As
2: it as it kind of gets more recent or uh gets into something like Ultimate Spider-Man, I hear when I reread them, I kind of hear Yuri Lowenthal,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but just slightly modified yeah you know like with ultimate though it's it's sort of like a combination of the sort of youthful airiness and naivete of like tom holland in homecoming Mm -hmm. or civil war where he's like excited but i don't know it's i was like honestly sometimes depending on the run i kind of hear my voice which that's might fair. Be the kind of intended of effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that I feel like that's very true. That could very much be the effect that you you put yourself into. I would like to say for ultimate, I can only ever hear the voice from the ultimate video game because the yeah. ultimate video game's oh. Peter perfectly captures the ultimate Peter Parker's like little dickhead attitude like <laughs> ultimate peter is a, is a little dickhead he's just a little asshole and i feel like it, he's captured very well by the actor who portrays him in the video game for ultimate spider-man i, I very much hear that like snarky little little white boy in, in in him when i when i read ultimate i i get that no i I, I actually that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that putting your own voice into into the character again for the same reason because he's so he's so malleable he's supposed to be he can he can very much fit uh, that sort of imagination with it. You know, I think I think it makes a lot of sense.
3: Um, Isn't the um, <clears throat> the Shattered Dimensions video game it
1: like brought back
3: all different historic voice actors? Neil Patrick knows? Harris
1: was the Amazing Spider Man for that game. I don't know who the other voices were, though. Now I'm going yeah. to check.
3: So the 94 animated series, Spider-Man voice, Spider-Man noir. Really? <clears throat> the Spider-Man oh, and his cool. amazing friends voice actor did Miguel O'Hara. And the spectacular Spider-Man voice actor did Ultimate Spider-Man.
1: Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's I, I was a big fan of that game. Uh, when it came out, I remember. Josh Keaton was Ultimate Spider-Man. Christopher Daniel Barnes was Spider-Man Noir. Dan Gilvison, Gil, was Spider-Man 2099, and Neil Patrick Harris was Amazing Spider-Man. And then let me see what each of them because now, now I'm going to confirm because I'm curious. Dan, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, like, I have a,
3: I I don't have a huge Neil Patrick Har- Harris tolerance in in my real life, <laughs> but he makes a pretty good Spider-Man
1: yeah i think he does actually like kind of surprising like i wouldn't expect i don't know why i wouldn't expect him to to fit the character but he does he does fit him pretty well which is which is cool let me see spider man okay so spite spider man which one is this which one are you spider-man 2099 okay at least it's i am you know i'm not gonna get i'm, I'm gonna get lost I'm trying to <laughs> trying to control f what they've been on i, know, I believe i keep, you. I keep I believe down you um down
3: uh, <laughs> google rabbit holes here
1: <laughs> and i mean there's there's a lot to go through there's a lot of spider-man if if there's anything that'll get you lost on a, on a trail like that it's you can do that for like anything for anything spider-man related there's a train <laughs> and a trail of hyperlinks that take you through so much stuff um
3: Well, I was going to say before we totally get off the voice part. um, The other thing is like, so I've written two versions of Peter Parker now because there's a Peter Parker who cameos in the first Spider-Ham and there's a Peter Parker Mm -hmm. in these um, European shorts I do. And even in those two, like I I have very different voices for them in my head because one is the more experienced, established, you know, in in my head, that's the 616 version of Spider-Man, you know, Canon wise, it doesn't really matter. But um, and then the other is a young teen version of Spider Man who's still in high school and everything. So I hear them so differently as I write them, even oh, yeah. though they are the same character that I'm I'm channeling in, in different <clears throat> different iterations. And that's kind of the the fun and the joy of of Spider Man, I guess. And that's kind of why he has persevered. Someone was was uh, on Twitter earlier, just comparing like in since. 2000 the number of superman movies we've had compared to spider-man movies and just like how flexible one character is compared to another like the fact that radioactive spider bite teenager has proven to be like such an everlasting concept is is really bizarre and and wonderful um but it's just one of those things it's like if you were to step out of context and describe that to someone who's never had any acknowledgement of it and been like oh yeah this has spawned like one trillion stories yeah it's like why (laughs) why why is this a thing (laughs) that keeps working but it does and it's you know it's it's a seemingly inexhaustible well
1: yeah i mean it's like because because what i mean this has been discussed a a billion times by people far smarter than me but it's like what what makes spider-man so so like universal like that is the, the way he can be literally anyone. You can make him Peter Parker and you can do Peter Parker a lot of different ways, but you also have complete freedom with Spider-Man to not be Peter Parker. Uh, not only do you have several other established people who wear Spider-Man masks with Gwen and with Miles and with all these other characters, but you, you literally can Make a new character that wears a Spider-Man mask that still feels like Spider-Man, because at the end of the day, Spider-Man, if you can write Spider-Man kind of however you want, and you can find uh, an official Marvel comic book where Spider-Man <laughs> acts like that, you know, like you can, you can, he, some it might be harder in some cases than others, but you can, <laughs> you can find it in a sense, and yeah. uh, like he, he's not as rigid in who he should be and who he is, and like with Superman, I feel like. Like with Superman, you're much more liable to if to do him incorrectly, to write Superman incorrectly, um, because super like Superman also has a long history of books, and Superman's been rebooted because DC actually uh, reboots their book, their whole universe every so often. Uh, so Superman has a lot of different voices, like he's, he's been written different ways, but Superman's public perception, in a sense. Is very different, um, not not to get into the into the weeds on it, but like I know like if there was so like when Man of Steel came out and then BVS and Justice League and all them, uh, Zack Snyder's Superman, um, a lot of people are very opinionated about Zack Snyder's Superman, but in a way that's like I don't think it would it's be the same so Spider Man, <laughs> yeah, right. Like if you did Spider Man egregiously in that direction. I feel like you still have a a sizable number of people who are like, you can find a Spider-Man that fits a Zack Snyder Spider-Man somehow, you know? It might not be Peter Parker, and it probably probably won't be Peter Parker when I think about it. I don't think Zack Snyder (laughs) and Peter Parker go very well together. But there's probably a Spider-Man... Like, I could genuinely picture Zack Snyder making a pretty decent Spider-Man noir thing. Like, something with Spider-Man noir. I feel like that fits him. And it's like you... No other character really works like that. You know, if you do Superman wrong, people are going to tell you you did Superman wrong. If you did Batman wrong, people are going to tell you you did Batman wrong. If you do Spider Man like wrong, you kind of have leeway. You can be like, well, I wasn't doing this one. I was doing that one from the, you know, that one issue 30 years ago that no one read, but he acts like I wanted him to. And that's what I took, you know? Like it's very, it's very much a character that can just you can do whatever and it'll still technically work. And somebody will like it. Somebody will like that version of him. The the qualities that kind of, like I'm not like that. I will tell you if you do Spider-Man wrong. But there's like because like there's a couple. there's aspects of the character that like I feel are important enough that should always carry through. Like I don't like I very I'll be honest. I do not organic whips. No, no, <laughs> you you already know, you already know where I'm going. I there's Clone. two things about Spider-Man I don't like I don't like clones I don't like clone (laughs) stuff with Spider-Man every writer keeps trying to do it every so often they're like I will be the one to do the clone saga (laughs) right and they try I don't like the concept in general but also I really I learned recently that Ben Riley exists in the mainline continuity and he's just a corpo Spider-Man it's that, really, I,
3: really good. You I'm not you, saying
1: it's bad. I'm saying, like, because I, I haven't I haven't read it, so I'm not yeah. gonna pretend I don't even have an opinion on it, let alone <laughs> enough to make a like a, a factual statement about its quality. But that feels so weird to me. Like, why is he working Since he's a baddie? That doesn't seem I don't like corporations very much, but I like I feel like that's a very big departure from the character in a sense that doesn't feel right, but there's a reason he's got his own book and that he's doing well and that it's still a good book because you can, you can do that with Spider-Man. You can take something that seems like a core aspect of him, him being a working class, nobody who doesn't really have a good relationship with authority like that and be like, no, now he's, now he's a corporate stooge, or corporate tool Spider-Man, you know, (laughs) and it still works. And you can still do interesting Spider-Man stories with, a a version of him like that that seems so counter to like the standard of spider-man you know you can't do that you can't like i don't i don't know what's what's a decent example with like another character but like like you can't change like batman's no killing thing to me anyway people have tried (laughs) yeah i was gonna say you cannot i don't i don't think that's a thing you can attempt to do but yeah, I feel like you could write a pretty decent Spider-Man story about how he about how he doesn't do that anymore. Granted, you
2: okay? I, like, I, I keep a finding story about that. And like, yeah, I keep it, finding trails about Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I I keep pulling threads and realizing I'm not like it's th- these are not universal statements. Like, like Dark Knight Returns is kind of about Batman breaking that, you know, and getting to that point. Well, but also I think...
3: apparently the the Batman, the new mm-hmm. one, is the only live action Batman in which he does not actively or passively kill it's someone. Awesome. It's which awesome. Is, he does. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it a lot. I thought it's. Yeah. I mean, the Burton films are always going to be my favorite, but this is it's wild that there have been Batman movies since 1989, and this is the first time he has not actively yeah. or passively murdered someone. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think the closest this movie comes. Uh, in, in the Batman to him being responsible for someone's death is the car chase. I was going to say, Penguin. not everyone
3: made it out yeah, of that car yeah, chase. Yeah, there's,
1: there's that is literally my only <laughs> hang up because I love this movie and it is very much my favorite Batman movie, period, that I uh, of all of them. Yes, actually, don't, don't get me started. This is not about Batman. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That is, but I do find it kind of silly that they caused a like 10 car pileup and blew up a gas tanker. <laughs> and not only did seemingly nobody die, but Penguin is also not in prison <laughs> by the end of it. He's at the end of the movie. He's like, hello, I am back. <laughs> and I don't know. I am not dealing with that, but yeah, you know, that, that was a bit wacky. But like, well,
3: so if I can like get very yeah, yeah. navel gazy for a second. And actually, I think I have a decent chance of, of, of threading all these threads together. Um, you know, earlier Ignacio said something about like when you read these, when you read Spider-Man, sometimes you hear your own voice. And I think as like shallow as it seems, the fact that he has a full face mask does unlock a different. Just a different intrinsic aspect of the character compared to someone like Superman, whose face is Superman, or even Batman, who has a half face cowl. You have this sort of blank slate. And you can love Peter Parker, but still feel that Spider Man or, you know, Spider hyphen whatever is a very malleable concept. Whereas, you know, Superman, that has not proven to be true. Although they have John Kent now, who seems very popular. Uh, And they're doing very different kinds of stories with him. Um, But what's funny to me is with Batman, the most famous example, or at least the um, broadest example that you can give that's similar is Terry McGinnis, who is just Spider-Man. I mean, Batman Beyond is Spider-Man. It's well well documented. It's not an original observation. Almost all of his villains are patterned off of Spider-Man. Uh, and a lot of his personality and his backstory is patterned off of Spider-Man. So it's funny that the biggest example of Batman as a flexible mantle <laughs> is just Spider-Man
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> with, with, a, with bat ears. Um, I think there is something unique about that. And of course, you, know, you have fans who who um, groan and complain about Miles or whoever else, but it, it so clearly doesn't matter because those characters yeah. have taken off. And in the 21st century, there's some some of the most successful new additions to comic book canon whatsoever are Spider-Man spin-off characters. Yeah. Um, so I think there is something very unique about him as a hero. And even though, you know, the X-Men or is going to be my favorite franchise, I don't necessarily see myself in Cyclops or Wolverine or anyone else. They're characters I like to read about, but I'm not projecting yeah. myself onto them. Whereas Spider-Man is a character who really invites that more.
1: Yeah. Like that's, that's also why the best Spider-Man movie ever made is Spider-Verse, because that's the whole mm. core of the message of that movie. is like that they to the point that they just say it to the camera several <laughs> times, like a- anyone can be Spider-Man. That's the entire point. I wondered if you were going to like
3: slide in just like one of those classic uh, indefensible hot takes. And like That's why the best Spider-Man movie is Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I, did, I was like oh, <laughs> oh is it going to happen is it going to happen know, I will I will
1: comment on my frustration that um that there's now no listen I'll be I'll be honest there's no um I have I don't want to be mean to anyone involved in the production except for Avi Rod but I I don't <laughs> A lot of working, a lot of moving parts go into making movies. So let's let's be fair, right? The Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit is still one of the best Spider-Man suits in live action. Period. The only one that's better than it now, personally, is the suit from the end of No Way Home when he sews it himself. But I think I'm also a little biased because I was just so happy to see him sew it himself. Like it was it was a <laughs> euphoric moment for me. But I'm very frustrated at the seemingly like desperate attempts to redeem those movies they're not good they're not good they're not they're not good (laughs) Andrew Garfield is a phenomenal actor he did a good job with what he was given in those movies he did a phenomenal job redeeming the character and himself in No Way Home with that portrayal even though personally I don't like the idea that he's redeeming himself as an actor because he's always been a good actor and he was good in those movies. Even if you think he was bad, he would have redeemed himself immediately after because he's always been a phenomenal actor. But uh, there were aspects of those movies that were fine. But I, they're not good movies. And it kind of makes me <laughs> mad that now people are like, oh, the amazing Spider-Man movies are ama- amazing. Well, they're so good. And I'm like, why so are you changing history? They're not any better now than they were then
3: i was going to mention one of my um <clears throat> kind of sick fascinations is like j- just the uh unhinged from reality segment of twitter uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I really i really despise social media and i'll, I'll tell you something every creator i know our, our biggest dream is to not have to be on twitter yeah yeah fair I work a lot with James Tynan. And, and once he reached a point where he felt comfortable, he stopped having a personal account because he didn't need it anymore. And yeah. it saved him a lot of headache. And I think that's the goal all of us strive toward. But uh, I do get like a um, kind of a sick self-destructive thrill out of seeing just the the, the completely detached from reality. And um, one of that is... I. I now mute like every suggested topic Twitter tries to give me. Um, I very much old man yells at cloud, but for a while there it, it kept suggesting Amazing Spider-Man and this was pre No Way Home. This was, yeah, this was okay. pre uh, even the casting rumors of, of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And there was a fervent online community dedicated to uplifting the Amazing Spider-Man movies and defending their valor against other spider-man movie fans uh, and I just would look at those and I would I would scroll and scroll and just like I'm wasting my life looking at them waste their life and over what <laughs> like, I, I but uh, it. I also amazing spider-man 2 is one of the few superhero movies that I just have never seen um, I, I will say I am a curmudgeon when it comes to live-action comic book mm-hmm. movies Fair. I I fundamentally don't like them very much. Like, I am such a comic diehard. Um, which is not to say I never enjoy them. I usually... Yeah. I, I go see them, I like them as I watch them, but they're just not a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and... So there are times where out of a sense of self-love, I just don't see it. <laughs> and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was a time that I chose to love myself That's instead fair. of watch it. But hey, he, you know, he was one of the best parts of No Way Home, so good for yeah. him. And um, I agree with you. He's always been a solid actor and No Way Home caused me to uh, think about him a little more to the point where like my boyfriend put on tick tick boom and i was like that you cannot make me watch a lin-manuel miranda movie <laughs> but then i ended up watching the whole thing because of andrew garfield and i was like well look at you go look at you
4: <laughs> and also oh, there's
3: no you. no better possible role for andrew garfield than a guy who's famous for writing a musical about gay people who everyone thinks was gay but wasn't gay <laughs> it's like Andrew Garfield go for I see, it yeah I see it <laughs> <laughs> like Jonathan Larson is the role you were born to play I guess
1: that's great I I remember really what because I, I I don't know what it was I think it's because like how old was I like 15 14 15 when Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out I I never processed that the guy from one of my favorite movies ever the, show, the social network was also Spider-Man at one point I didn't really click it. So Andrew Garfield for me for the longest time has just been Eduardo Savern in The Social Network. Like <laughs> I love that movie. I rewatch it all the time. I love him in that movie. And like I so like that was my first thing. I probably saw Amazing Spider-Man two in theaters. I don't remember honestly. Um, but like I was also a child and I I loved it anyway. <laughs> I remember when I when I grew up. This was like after, and like I grew up like. After I was already a college dropout, like I'm, like this was like four years ago maybe, and I was like, I should rewatch The Amazing Spider-Man, and then I did, and I was like, Oh my, what is this? <laughs> Who did this to you? <laughs> Look how they massacred my boy. Well- I can't. It was it was really weird because I had also like in because uh, like a lot a lot happened in my life after high school. I started college and then I dropped out, and then I lost, like, it was a rapid succession of things that kind of led me to be in, like, like re- reinventing myself, in a sense, um, and I remember, like, I started to really look critically at a lot of stuff that I just didn't for a long time, also, not necessarily because, not to be dramatic, like, it's not necessarily because I went through this stuff that I went back and decided I should reanalyze the art of Spider-Man <laughs> or something, but, like, It was kind of a part of that stage of my life. And it's like, I I realized a lot of the things that I really liked as a kid. And I was like, oh yeah, I like these because I was a kid. These all kind of suck now. Which is weird. Like, I loved the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I thought they were awesome. I was like, the dubstep when Electro's on the screen? That's pretty cool. He's blue now? That's kind of awesome. Yo, they put the rhino from the Ultimate Spider-Man video game in this? That's pretty cool. Like, I loved all of it. And then I go back to it, and it's, I, you know, I pick apart these things much more now, and I find the flaws in these things. But then, and then, like, but I'm also very much, I'm very committed to the idea that you can criticize something you like. It is perfectly okay to love the Amazing Spider-Man too, but you cannot look at me and tell me it's a good movie and that's why you love it. Like, that's just not okay with me. I, I, I can enjoy Amazing Spider-Man too, but I think it's ridiculous. I think it's bad. But that's that's the case for a lot of stuff that I've come to now i go back and i look at it and i'm like this isn't that good but it's it's pretty it's fun still but it seems like there's like um like people don't want to do that especially online where nobody's normal (laughs) um that you you can't look at like you can't go to the amazing spider-man tag where people are like the amazing spider-man 2 is the best movie ever made and be like it's not you can (laughs) love it but it's not good because they'll slit your throat for it like they have to be like validated in their opinion in their, yeah. in their enjoyment of it. They can't like it and know it's bad. They have, they can't like something that's bad. Everything they like has to be good. So naturally by extension, they have to go online and, and tell all the people that have been telling them for 10 years that that, that amazing Spider-Man 2 is bad. They're actually wrong about that. That it's <laughs> actually really good. Like that's, I remember I've, I, I'm not going to like be mean or, or throw shade at someone uh, or anything, but I remember, I do remember my reaction to it. I watched it. Uh, Let me go through the whole chain so I don't confuse myself. I was on YouTube. I was scrolling videos and whatever. And I often get recommended videos by a channel called High Top Films because a lot of the stuff he makes kind of aligns with a lot of the stuff I watch. And I remember one time I got viscerally angry and refused to ever watch one of his videos based on the title of one of them. Uh, I watched it and it was okay. But it was him (laughs) trying to say the amazing Spider-Man movies were good. And I knew that he was someone, the the guy who runs that channel, Alex, is someone who very much does not like the MCU Spider-Man, which is fine. I've, I made a whole episode defending it, but that's the one I did by myself, but like, I get it. And like, I've been someone since he's been brought to the MCU that has been fully aware and accepting of the people who don't like it because of how it is. And that's fine, but I like it, whatever. And I saw that video and I was like, no, you're not doing this to me. That's a bridge too far, (laughs) sir. I am not watching this. I eventually came to watch it and he spoke a lot about Mark Webb's like uh, movement from 500 Days of Summer, I believe was the movie he made before that. And how he seemed to inject that into Spider-Man. And all of those points were completely accurate. I very much agreed with it. And it gave me a new light with which to view the amazing Spider-Man movies. But I was like, dude, you don't have to be like. They're still not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's not gonna change anything. They're still, they're still not, not, not good movies. They're not. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, and I'm. A, I mean, you're speaking my language because I'm a big. Well, not in watching YouTube videos because I don't do that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm a big proponent of <clears throat> enjoying what you enjoy, but with a degree of self awareness. Like, listen, I, I love horror movies and I love very many bad horror movies mm-hmm. I've, I've seen every Friday the 13th and Halloween and Hellraiser and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I have a great amount of enjoyment from watching some of those even though they are very bad and I'm not going to like draw a line in the sand and try to tell you that every Friday the 13th is a good movie but I'm probably more likely to watch Friday the 13th, seven, than I am to see most Oscar bait movies, <laughs> like, and, and I think there's a joy in just kind of enjoying what you enjoy uh, with self-awareness and enough uh, <clears throat> critical notion to just kind of keep keep your feet grounded. Uh, but like, if, if you ask me some of my favorite performances of all time, one of my favorite performances is Eddie Redmayne. In Jupiter Ascending, because he goes from the
4: faintest whisper
3: to the loudest scream, like it's—I mean, it's just bonkers. Like there's no there's no reality in which it is a a good acting decision in a good movie with a good script with anything, but it just is so fascinatingly bad and enjoyable. Um, So yeah, I, I just I love to just not need to tie my identity to the things I like being of good. Of course, of course. Like, I can like them and acknowledge their average or that someone else might not like them. And it's not a sports team. It's not a a, a geopolitical border I have to defend with my life. Like it's just a Ooh, movie. Topical. Yeah, I, well- <laughs> I immediately regret that but it's, it's not you know it's not it's just a movie it's just a comic book it's just a book and I can enjoy it without someone else's criticism of it um, being a personal attack on me yeah and even in you know that extends to like being a creator who's publishing stuff like when my stuff gets tweeted out by the Marvel account the responses are are, are unhinged like you know and it has nothing to do with me it's when Spider Ham got announced to the first one, the subtitle is Great Power, No, no responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. You know, it's just a joke. It's I a love joke that. I thought, it was, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's just a joke <laughs> on Spider Man's very well known catchphrase. Uh, but I guess it is somewhat similar to the slogan of a Scarlet Spider series from 10 years ago. And so I just had a bunch of angry Scarlet Spider fans. That's like you you guys a don't matter. Like this this does not affect me. You don't matter. You're never gonna read my book. It like I don't care. Uh and also who who cares? It's not Scarlet Spider's slogan either. It's Peter Parker's. Like we you know what this is referencing. Why does this matter to you? And that, that's uh, a and when, message
1: to you, Ignacio. That's what you you clone <laughs> fans are all freaks. All of you, you're all what? unhinged maniacs.
3: But it's just like, it's like, why, why is something else like threatening your identity? Because yeah. in the same thing with X-Men, you know, I, I've gotten great responses. And then I've had people who are like, oh, nostalgia is killing comics. And people who are like, Krakoa is the worst. <laughs> and it's like, you know, get a life. Like, you know, read the book if you want to read the book. Enjoy yeah, it. That's but also
1: like, a thing with comics specifically. It's like, yeah. dude, you will, there is a book out there for you. That's really the magic of it. Look a little
3: bit. Every single month, hundreds of comics are published. And if the best thing you can find to do with your time is to insult the people who make the ones you don't want to read, then you're doing it all wrong. Like I don't don't spend all my time going to Nickelback fans and saying they're (laughs) ruining music. Like I I just don't (laughs) listen to Nickelback and that's low hanging fruit, but like, it's kind of the same principle. If I don't want to read a comic book, I just don't read it. And I don't even think there's an excuse when it comes to to being a passionate fan because most characters that people are passionate fans of have decades of comic books. Yeah. If you don't want to read my X-Men comic or you don't want to read my friends X-Men comic or Spider-Man or Batman or whatever, you've got choices. <laughs> like you can go back, you can enjoy an era that you haven't read before, you can wait 6 months and read something else. Like you don't need to to spend your time just spewing vitriol online i will say the funniest thing though is when things get tweeted by the marvel account <clears throat> a lot of people don't read the link and they just assume it's related to the mcu mm-hmm. so when x-men 92 got announced there were so many responses that were like oh, they're doing the 90s x-men in the mcu yes blah, blah. it's like oh <laughs> i uh, <laughs> i have some disappointing news for you <laughs> like which you might have noticed because this is a drawing of a cartoon but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you have to have the awareness that a lot of the things you read online and a lot of the passionate opinions and the the staking of identities to fictional characters is is not about you and you can't take it personally and I think it's a it's a healthy stance to reach where it does not phase you and you realize that you can enjoy what you enjoy and just move on with your life
1: yeah that's something like i the the most vitriolic people uh, this in specifically in the realm of like of fictional characters and the like and this sort of area the people whose favorite, fi- whose fictional who the fictional character they're yelling at you about is their profile picture is the person who you can immediately disregard. Like, gen- genuinely, like I don't listen to the Spider-Man opinions of people with Spider-Man profile pictures. I just don't. Like, I don't. The, the closest I get to that are the gimmick accounts. Like, one of my favorite accounts is uh, is a Spider-Man out of context account. I think it's specifically <laughs> about the comics. Like, it's comics tailored. That that's fine. But just normal accounts with a Spider-Man picture or a Superman. My my favorites are the Zack Snyder people with like Henry Cavill Superman pictures and stuff. And it's like, what? Well, see, okay, I'm I'm much more plugged in than I want to be. I wish I could just turn it off, but I can't because I'm a maniac and I like to make fun of people. And I <laughs> I genuinely it it blew my mind. Uh, a main character of the day from a few days ago, who took um A gif of Batman in the, oh, from the trailer of The unit The Walking. Yeah, you know, the walk yeah. yeah. And yeah. So Zach Snyder was the blueprint so funny. for a walking, like a close-up on the feet walking shot, like that. So that please, was full camp.
3: Like it, me, it transcended. Uh, that was perfect comedy.
1: Like, tell me you have never seen another movie without (laughs) telling me you've never seen another movie and like it's totally possible that you know people like that will not be serious and they'll post shit like that all the time to get a rise out of people because it works because that tweet blew up but also when i go into the into the replies to have fun at their misery and i see the first reply is their own saying muting this because the question mark emoji cult is here and i'm like (laughs) are you serious dude you like Zack Snyder movies. What are you talking about? You're acting like Zack Snyder's Justice League deserves an Oscar. I'm not taking you seriously. Well, kind of what's that
3: uh what's that meme format where it's like guy who's only ever seen, you know, my little pony? Yeah. This is giving oh. my little pony vibes. Yeah. <laughs> like who's only
1: really ever like... watched Zack Snyder movies. This yeah. is giving me Zack Snyder vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very much the case. It's 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 wild to me, and it's like, like Ignazio is is the king of enjoying bad things, and I love it's him. Right. Beca- I love I him defend, because he. What an honor! Yeah. I defend my <laughs> opinions very valiantly, and he will come to me straight faced and defend them like they're good, though. Because like he knows they're bad. Because by the end of our conversation, he goes, no, yeah, I love this true. thing defend, because it's bad. They are
2: good. All my opinions are good. Yeah."
1: yeah the the episode where we talked about the amazing spider movies was the whole time him telling me how good they were um which is which is great but you know he yes. loves them because they're bad no matter what he says and it's like i love the
2: second one because it's bad the
1: first one is bad too i like the first one because it's fine no nah, you need okay. to watch
2: more movies that's okay that's the first okay. one is fine that's
1: okay that's okay
2: the second one is like terribly edited
1: I'll let that one. Around. Terribly, that's the only problem. Terribly edited.
2: <laughs> no, I was it's like, okay. that's that's the no, that's the biggest problem. Okay,
1: okay. It's like, yeah, the editing
2: fair. is so awful that everything else cannot work. Yeah, like, it's like, a it's a bottom up problem.
1: See, this is why he's my my guy now, though. This is our dynamic, right? <laughs> he he says things in a way that makes me mad and that fuels content for a, a show for people to listen to, you know? Yeah, but
2: you know, I'm purposefully contrarian.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's very much a a good quality to have is to be able to analyze stuff you enjoy and not tie it to your personal identity, like, like you were saying. Because I think that's the main issue is people online tie their online identities to these things to these characters uh and not to get political but the (laughs) the fact that people are like there's graffiti art of Putin as Voldemort and Zelensky as Harry Potter online is mind-numbing to me and it's like
2: please it hurts my head if I could
1: read a different book
3: one other book hack off a limb and in exchange I would never have to hear about that piece of shit again in my life. I, I tweeted something complaining about this the other day. I have muted every term related to her name. I've muted every term related to those books. I've blocked every account. Like, I, I don't want to hear it or see it, but people screenshot or quote retweet to dunk on her. It's like, or just yeah, mention that's, that's it without really good name so oh, your yeah. mutes don't work talk around it but it's like this is really the quote quote retweet that's gonna get her like this is it you know it's gonna bring her down in her fucking castle can i swear on this yeah yeah Um, yeah. i you know it's i just don't like that that she may be the final straw for me on twitter because i just i don't need to hear about her ever again and yeah uh the fact that twitter makes it functionally impossible to avoid these people is it's um Another writer, Daniel Kibblesmith, he tweeted something the other day that was like, I sure do know a lot about all the opinions and stances of a lot of supposedly canceled people. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that's Twitter. Like, you just can't, you can't escape the worst people in the world. Yeah. And uh, we're wildly off topic, but she just <laughs> invites so much rage in me. Like, I just don't no, to think about
1: know. It. It's fair. I am, I am her uh, enemy number one like i'm i'm a trans woman i exist to make her want to kill herself like that seems to be her driving force in life so i i blocked her a long time ago i muted as many topics as i could think of related to her you know i just i don't i don't want to think about it dude i don't Do you know like, um, and like literally the harry potter movies are my main exposure to harry potter because i never really read the books when i was older like the the Harry Potter movies for instance being my main exposure to Harry Potter cuz I didn't like I read the books a bit as a kid but I never finished them and I never picked them Same. back up my main connection to them is the movies and like I don't see the movies as her products I see them like as the products of a lot of different people who worked on these things and a lot of the people disagree with her and think she's dumb so <laughs> you know like I can still enjoy those movies but I'm also like I'm an adult and <laughs> I enjoy other things like yeah. Harry Potter isn't my entire life, you know? So, yeah, I know. The, don't, whole, the and, whole
3: enterprise is like irreparably tainted for yeah. me. The, like, I can go to the theme park and say, hey, this is a cool theme park. But, yeah. uh, you know, I never, I don't want to see the movies. I, I don't want to hear what house anyone is in. <laughs> like, I just like, yeah, like you said just read any other book. quote yeah. the bible at me like i'd <laughs> rather you quote the bible at me tell me which which book of leviticus you are like yeah i just don't need to know uh, you know anything related to her ever again in my life what and were that's we talking like... about <laughs> <laughs> um no i
1: know we we went on because we started talking about dumb people online which is a fitting oh, thing sure. to lead you to jk rowling but like What was the final thought I was making on that? I lost it. Right, just that like it also doesn't really matter because nothing good about her, nothing good has come from Harry Potter since those movies, because the books were done. If you like the books, the movies were done. If you like the movies, she has not really written anything or produced anything new from that franchise. It's been good. The new movies are terrible. Like you're not missing out by disconnecting (laughs) from Harry Potter. So like you're not missing much, Uh, and it's 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 fair, but. Yeah, circling back from dumb people online, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, I mean, that also, like, it it ties back to the original topic that was like, you know, Spider-Man is a a character that this kind of works with. It's also something that it's like, people will find ways to argue about anything online, you know but it's like it, at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really matter you know i i find it very funny that people think that your, your book means the x-men from the 90s sh- uh, show are in the mcu now that's very funny
3: oh yeah i mean it cracked me up really if you if you go back and look at marvel's first tweet about it there were dozens of tweets that are like this you know this confirms the theory that the animated series is going to be mcu canon <laughs> i was like no it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't yeah. confirm anything. This confirms a five-issue comic book. Like that's that's
1: that's a big thing I, I like. I I that's something I hate because I, I learned how much I hate it in the lead up to No Way Home is people who dedicate their lives to theory crafting for these movies. <laughs> like, listen, if you find it fun, that's cool. That's it's fun to speculate about the stories these things go on take spider-man stuff personally and in the whole lead up to no way home i would get nothing but because i watched a couple videos about the rumors of the villains coming back and then of toby and andrew coming back and then my recommended was flooded with it and sometimes i would watch them and i'd want to blow my brains out it's pe- it also like i'm not going to get into this because i don't remember them so i'm not going to get into hmm. their specifics but a specific example i do know i hate i walked out of batman of the new batman Opened my phone to do whatever, and there was a video whose thumbnail, you know, it's a Batman thumbnail, and then in those little circles with the arrows, it was the kid with the half skull face paint, and it said "New Robin." Oh my god! Oh. And I wanted to die. I was like, <laughs> why, why can't you just? I learned later that the reason that's a the theory is because that that actor plays Tim Drake on titans he plays robin really um yeah so people are like oh maybe it's robin you know maybe he's gonna be a like in all fairness it's a reasonable through line like if they were gonna make him robin you it would make sense like you wouldn't it wouldn't not make narrative sense that kid could be affected by batman in that way and lead to that you know but i'm like why do you why do you have to do this why do you have to have to do this why can't you just watch the movie and go home why yeah i mean i will So I, me mean, I should
3: i should be um kind and generous to some extent Yeah especially you know I'm talking about kids books and comics and everything i shouldn't <laughs> only be curmudgeonly <clears throat> and i will say i think there is from my perspective and i think i'm a little older than you two um there is just a generational aspect where i don't When I was younger, there was no social media. Social media was um, much more of a a personally constructed network. I couldn't go anywhere and post something and and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would see it. The, you know, the 20 people who followed my Zanga or live journal could see it. And I cut my (laughs) teeth. Yeah, I am dating myself. Um, I cut my teeth online in forums which, you know, forums do not exist the same way they once did. Yeah. But that allowed for, like, a much more of a micro sense of community and also a moderated sense of community. So I will say, when it comes to stuff like, you know, you mentioned the the accounts that are, like, let me try to pick an example that's not going to offend anyone, but, like, you know, like Gambit Fan 89 or whatever. Gambit. And, you know, 40% of their tweets are about Gambit. Yeah. And the other 60 are also about gambit um you know that person is is working through things in a certain way and that person is is um relating to other people in a certain way and it may be hard for me to completely understand and empathize with um and it may frustrate me at times (laughs) and and it may kind of uh provide a sense of agitation to me sometimes when you know accounts like that have strong opinions and they, they at you with their strong opinions and all those things. But I understand, you know, those people are processing things and community and and a sense of self in a different way. But I do think, I hope that for a lot of people, there is a goal. I can't believe this conversation started with spider ham and now I'm I'm talking like pop psychology (laughs) about Twitter, but um, I do hope that, you know, that I hope these people have offline networks as well. And the goal is not to solely, interact with the world through the lens of a fictional character yeah a team or a book um because you know it it doesn't seem like the healthiest way to to base an identity around because these characters are going to fall in and out of popularity and these characters are going to be in runs that you don't like as much Uh, i have (laughs) there's one one mutual of mine who works in the industry and is very talented but he has one character that he really loves and every time she appears he usually hates it (laughs) and every time she doesn't appear he's mad she hasn't appeared and (laughs) it's like maybe maybe your relationship with this character has changed and you're not really (laughs) allowing yourself to accept that because if you don't like her when you do see her and you're mad when you don't see her you've created a bit of a no-win situation here where the version of the character you've constructed in your head cannot be lived up to on the page.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, especially when someone strongly identifies with the specific portrayal of these characters, uh, especially with comic book characters. Listen, at the end of the day, you're not going to see that version ever again unless that writer comes back, you know? Uh, and also,
3: even then, a lot of the times that character is someone that you've embellished in your head, and that's perfectly yeah, fine. When I, like I said earlier, when I set out to write this X-Men book, I, I'm writing the version that has like leapt off of the lunchbox in my head. You know, it's, it's meant to be yeah. an iconic version of the X-Men, but that doesn't mean it's going to live up to the lunchbox in everyone else's heads. And I think that, I forget who said it first, but as a comic fan, especially as like a long-term comic fan, or, you know, any version of the franchise, movies, TV, whatever... I think it's healthy to give yourself permission to step away at times or to not feel like you have to follow every single beat because you it's very easy to become jaded or embittered toward it when you realize that you're really, or you don't realize that your relationship is changing yeah. and you're kind of frustrated. You're not feeling the way you felt when you first came in.
1: Yeah. It's, it, uh, you got to realize folks, you get older. <laughs> your your yeah. life shapes you, you, you yeah. change. And especially when you, when you aren't exposed to something for a long time, uh, you're stuck with a specific memory of that thing. You may not feel the same. In my case, I had an opposite effect with Spider-Man. I feel very different about Spider-Man than I did when I was a kid, but in, in a much more positive sense. And I feel that I feel neg- uh, much more negatively about a lot of things that I wasn't exposed to for a long time uh, in, in a similar sense. Now, now that I'm older, and it's it's just it's a fact of life. You gotta you gotta face that things about you change, as well as the the things you like changing. It's both, um, and uh, you, you're you're bound to not gel with something about that thing now that you're now that you're so different. You know, it's just it's 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 a it's a part of growing up, and such. You gain new interests, or you rediscover old ones in different ways, and it's just. Uh, it's part of the part of the wheel turning you know now i want to i'm gonna i'm gonna round this out now also we we had a good uh, insightful conversation look at us making (laughs) making good podcasting content um before i do uh segue us effortless effortlessly no editing (laughs) required into that little last bit uh is there any, any, anything anybody might want to mention anything we we haven't covered? Cause I think, we, I think we did a good job of covering the important bits before moving on to little tangents about people <laughs> being dumb you know. or, you
3: know, pe- people working through things that, yeah, that that's don't it. That's need it. to be worked through publicly or
1: therapy. Yeah. Or essence. at
3: least don't need to be worked through while, uh, adding people in <laughs> you know into other threads um yeah it is, is my kinder way to say that um no i don't know well we had such a fun freewheeling conversation was there anything else you wanted to ask or find out about we we went from captain meowville to uh authors we would love to never hear about again in our
1: entire <laughs> lives so <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground <laughs> yeah i think i mean i think we, I think we did a good a good run through oh if there's here, I'll ask you this. Well, no, actually, I'll ask this in the in the kind of. I'm trying to think of how I'm going to edit this. No, okay, yeah, this is fine. Is there? <laughs> I want to ask: Is there is there any one of your books that you've written that you would specifically recommend to people that you that you're most proud of? In a sense? Oh,
3: you know, that's interesting because, <clears throat> like I said earlier, I've I've written a, across such age ranges, mm-hmm. um, but. I would really love to direct folks to a book I have coming up in May, which is Archer and Armstrong Forever. Um, Archer and Armstrong is a Valiant Comics duo. They've been around since the 90s, but uh, you certainly don't need to know that much continuity. Um, This is my first ongoing direct market series, so I'm very excited about that. And Valiant has given me a lot of leeway to take these guys in a new direction uh, it is a, a action adventure globe trotting you know buddy story with comedy and horror and everything else I can cram in there and I feel like it is kind of <clears> the <throat> the distillation of a lot of my interests and, and approaches to writing so if you know me from the horror stuff I've done, like Razor Blades and Night Train, like I brought creepy stuff into this. If you know me from Spider Ham and Cheater Code and things that have a funny edge to them, I brought the humor into this. And if you want to see what I do on like superheroes in action and action adventure, um, that's really here in that book too. So I, I hope folks will check that out. Um, and of course, X Men uh, debuts in April, X Men 92. And that's five year old me's dream project. So uh, I'm very excited for that and for Spider Ham 2 coming out this fall. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just very lucky and grateful to be doing all the things I'm doing. I, I stay busy and, and I enjoy it. And like I said, I, I just keep doing everything, and no one has yeah. told
1: me no yet, other than my inability to sleep more than four. Do hours. Do it as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so. literally exactly what I'm doing. I've come to a point where I was like, I want to do a lot of stuff creatively, I'm just going to do it and if it sticks, yeah. it sticks. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, just kind of roll with it. That's good. Um, that kind of, that works perfectly. Then also I'm going to just leave that in to uh, besides all your books, you know, I said, which one specifically you said all of them, basically, but also <laughs> well, the I one. Yeah. A little, little focused. Um, where else can people find you and what other little stuff do you want to plug that you, besides the books that you feel uh, is important to mention?
3: Sure. Yeah. I, uh, you can find me at Steve underscore Fox F O X E on Twitter. Um, but as I ranted earlier, I'm trying (laughs) to be on there less and less. Uh, and then I keep my website, stevefox.com, um, updated so you can see all the books. Oftentimes that's actually where things sneakily get announced because covers feed out to retailers like nine months in advance. So Spider-Ham 2 was on there months before I actually started talking about it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be on Twitter less and less. So <laughs> I would say like, yeah, follow me, but uh, don't expect too many tweets. <laughs> and I also hope folks will check out. Um, so I, I edit and co-created a horror anthology called Razor Blades with mm-hmm. James Tynan. Uh, the hardcover of that is coming out this summer from Image Comics. And we have work in there from <sighs> over 50 creators from across comics, prose, horror illustration, uh manga you know creators from all over the world so i hope people check that out very proud of the talent we assembled in that and we self-published it originally but now through this hardcover you can get it from any retailer so no excuse not to check it out uh, and it's also yeah. available online at readraiserblades.com so you can pick up the pdf for free if you don't want to spring for the
1: hardcover great cool that's a you have a, honestly you have a lot you have a lot of stuff to go through <laughs> uh i'm saying like people who want to check out all the stuff you've worked on you've got a big as mentioned earlier a large age range to explore yeah and just a huge breadth of content and listen i would recommend everyone uh it doesn't matter if you're too old for it you should really read the spider handbook that <laughs> steve wrote it's very funny it's very good uh and whenever the second one comes out i would recommend it as well because i'm September, sure we be or August. similarly enjoyable yeah august there you go so that's that's my recommendation Thank you. Um, <laughs> and of course uh the the show is available on your very i always do this i'm like you sh- you can find the show in these places i'm like you're already listening to it i don't know why i'm saying that but um, every podcast does yeah it's it's part of the part of the routine uh the two of us me and ignacio are also on twitter uh ignacio's ad is very annoying because it has like five underscores in it it's one underscore post underscore a underscore day and then another underscore at the end uh and i am at very hot as well yes it is i noticed it's very annoying um, it's,
2: it's like that on everything though i i unified my uh online identity to you that.
1: take up way too much way too many characters in the twitter character limit when i post an episode it's very annoying it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to try to write around that on the announcement post now because now <laughs> your ad is so long you know it's it yeah. to the territory but yeah uh you can find us where you find us of course again you know that already uh you could find steve where steve said you could find him read his books many of them Many of them to read. I'm picking up a couple of them, also not to not to be shilly or anything, but they they were very good, so I want to read more of them. Um, and of course, thank yeah, you
2: so I, much. I loved so much. Blades.
1: Yeah, thank
3: you. I, yeah, it's, it's it, a labor it of war. huge
2: horror buff, so it was the perfect stuff for me.
1: Awesome, thank you. And yeah, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you. I'm so happy to. Oh wow, you're, we're hitting the big times. You see that? <laughs> cool that's awesome it really was it really was a a lot of fun uh, to go through all this stuff with you and have you on i'm very thankful that you were able to come on with us well
3: thank you very much for having me
1: of course thank you okay and i can surprise everyone hello it's ruby from the future editing this. <laughs> um, I just wanted to tack a little bit of stuff on to the end, write uh, some stuff I missed that's a bit important, and and all that, all that good stuff. You see, I was a little starstruck. I was a little nervous. Steve was a really good guest, and um, one that I'd been looking forward to for a while, because we had planned this a good while back, but I was looking to get a couple things done for the show before we recorded, so this has been in the works since like early January, if I remember correctly. So, you know, big stuff, big stuff. Um, I just also wanted to tack on uh, another little thing. Uh, the show will also start airing on YouTube pretty soon. Um, I need to set up the channel and stuff for it. So this episode will probably be a little late on YouTube, um, but going forward, it will be uploaded on a regular basis. Also, um, with Ignacio as my new permanent co-host, uh, this was a bit of a little special, a little premiere episode, uh, for us here, uh, trying to, uh, I had set the goal of introducing kind of a new format and stuff as well as talking to Steve, but that got away from me. So I just wanted to mention, going forward, the show is going to have a bit more structured of a schedule. Uh, we will be covering Spider-Man animated shows, starting with Spectacular Spider-Man, then doing the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s, and then we'll probably do the 60s one also. Not totally sure yet, but it's it's on the table. But the way the show is going to be structured is we're going to cover a season of the show at a time, and then take a sort of break episode. We'll cover two episodes per show, per episode of the podcast, I mean. So, episode one and two of season one of Spectacular Spider Man will be next week's podcast episode. The episodes three and four of season one will be, et cetera, et cetera. And then, once we finish a season, we will have a kind of sort of break episode in between before starting the second season, the same before starting the third, the same before starting the animated series. Uh, from the '90s, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, on those break episodes, I plan to have guests on to discuss different aspects of the character and whatnot. Um, I have a couple in mind, a couple that I've asked, a couple that I haven't. So I look, you know, I look forward to that. Those would be fun, insightful conversations. Uh, And, you know, my recommendation being that if you don't have as much time to keep up with the whole show, those are still—or not my recommendations, but my idea is what word I meant to use. Um, Those are episodes that you can kind of consume independently, whereas the episodes covering the shows will kind of be season-long arcs, right? You'll need to watch like five or six—or listen to five or six episodes of the podcast to get the full review of the first season kind of deal, you know? As opposed to covering a whole season of the show in one episode, because I want to, you know, I kind of want to, I want to get a, I want to go actually properly deep into these. A lot of these are kids shows, so you know, maybe overdoing it a little, but it's okay because we often go on little tangents and side conversations. And knowing Ignacio and having someone here in him who actually reads comics, I suspect that it'll, uh, will, will go off on side tangents quite a bit. But I hope that you all, um enjoy what's coming for the show I also hope I didn't mention it I wanted to mention it but I didn't during recording again because I was a little a little razzled and I was a little anxious was a little nervous to have Steve on if I'm being honest but I hope you all like my little the little um you know intro bit I did I thought that was very cute and I want to get an outro one too but I don't have time now but you know I thought I thought it was fun I hope you all like that I'm way too proud of that idea but you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to milk it, <laughs> but, you know, I'm also, um, this episode doesn't have it because of time constraints, but I also do plan to have, or I'm having, not plan to, it's already in the works, have, uh, you know, a little custom intro music, a little custom outro music for the show as well, up the production quality a little bit. The music, unfortunately, wasn't finished in time, so you got the 90s animated show intro theme, and you'll probably have something from the 90s show as the outro music as well. Uh, Really hoping that doesn't cause me problems down the line, but, you know, I can always re-edit this uh, later. I probably will. I'll probably re-edit this and re-upload this episode um, with the actual custom music when it's ready but that's a bit up in the air so and unfortunately i didn't want to push back or move the recording tape with steve so that you know we we make do with what we got in this case actually i'm probably just not going to put outro music because this little extended bit is my outro you know <laughs> but uh going forward the the music should be ready by next week so hopefully you know you'll get you'll get a little a little it'll be nice you know like i said a little up in production quality And thank you to everyone who listened and who listened through this whole bit, this whole little extended bit here. I'm sorry to put you through it, you know, to tack on a couple extra minutes just to talk about myself, but... I, I felt it was uh, some important stuff that I wanted to that I wanted to get out there. And a formal thank you. Welcome to season two of the show. I uh, uh, I don't know how to end podcasts. I'm sorry, and I'm not doing outro music for this one, like I just said. So I'm just gonna click the stop recording button, and you'll be happy with it. Tune in next week. I will be trying to be diligent in my workflow and get these out every Sunday. So you know. Just putting that out there. Thank you. I love you. Hi. I'm back again. I'm... I'm... This is like three weeks later now. This part. (laughs) But I saw that I can actually... uh, Just swap the audio file on my RSS feed. And update an episode without redoing it. So... uh, I got the music done. (laughs) So I'm replacing the music in this. So... A minute ago when I said the theme music wasn't done, it's done. So I'm putting it in at the beginning and I'm putting it in here at the end. So if you watch this now, as opposed to when it aired. So if you watch this after the 26th of March, 2022, or listen to it, after that date, that point about the theme music will be irrelevant because the file that is now in place on my RSS feed and thus is the current version of the episode that's live, we'll have our custom theme music. So please ignore the bit that I said about the music. (laughs) Um, And for funsies, I'm going to play... I got kind of two... They're two slightly different versions. I'm putting the one I like better at the beginning and the other one at the end. So I'm just going to play it. And that will be my little little goodbye. Thank you again. Okay, that's all. Okay, thank you. Bye.